0: Our scripture today is taken from the book of Philippians, chapter two, verses five through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess. Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: My friends, it is a joy to be with you in worship. Being here is comforting to me in the sanctuary, but one thing that I miss more than most other things is that there are no children here. And Palm Sunday is a day when we often feature children. I I simply just love the children of this congregation. So friends, if you're watching and your kids are with you, this is a message to you. I miss you. I miss seeing you sitting here in the front pews. Some of you make faces at me and I like to make them back at you. So here's one. I definitely miss having you here. And um, one of the things that Colleen and I are doing for our children during this time is we're buying chickens and we're having a chicken coop built. So when this whole thing gets settled, I'm going to invite all the kids of this church to come to my backyard and come see our chickens. So I look forward to hosting you and giving you a few eggs to take home and make a mess at your house. Cool? All right. Let us pray. Creator God, we're thankful for the life that we have been given. We confess, however, that there are ways that we don't live that life well. We've been wayward and unwise. God is also the confession of our faith that you sent your son Christ to reconcile us unto yourself and to cultivate in our hearts a desire and a will for a new kingdom. We're thankful for the gift of grace. In like manner, the We believe as a people that you have sent your Holy Spirit as a counselor, a guide, and friend to us. Send your spirit now for you, and I know that without you, I can do nothing. Help us to hear these words from this book freshly today, that it may bring some sort of renewal and relief to our minds. It's in the matchless name of Jesus Christ we pray, and God's people all over say, Amen. I remember my very first Palm Sunday. I was about seven years old. That's when my family started going to church, and I went to a small country church. It didn't have a high liturgy. We were lower on the candle, as some people might say. And we walked into church on this beautiful spring day, and they kept talking about Palm Sunday. I didn't know what they meant. I didn't know if they meant something attached to my fingers or or what. but during the middle of our worship, the song leader, she, she asked all the children to come out of their pews and to come stand on the chancel. Now, if you've known me since I was a kid, I've been a ham since I was a kid, but I didn't have any interest in going up front on that day because I didn't know what they were doing. My mom kept goading me to get out of the pew and to go forward, and, and I didn't move until a Sunday school teacher, who was rather severe, turned around in her pew and looked at me and hissed, Jared, get up there. And so I walked forward and stood between two or three jokers from my Sunday school class and they began to give us these ferny, leafy things. I guess palm branches. Maybe some of the children at home have palms now or are coloring some of them. Kind of silly things, really. And we were told to stand there on the front of the chancel and look at all the people of the church. They were smiling at us. I didn't get it then. I had to be a parent before I could understand that we like seeing kids do things in church. And then I was instructed to hold it up and shout it and shout and wave and say funny words like, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I I didn't know why we were doing what we were doing, but then I was sent home with this. For many years, I didn't get Palm Sunday. I think I understand it more today than I did back then. It's a silly sort of day, though. It's different here at Peachtree, totally highlights the fact that you you all aren't here because every year we have a bit of a drama down front where there's Jesus and the disciples and after the service the children lead us out shouting Hosanna in the highest. Now this past week I celebrated my fourth year anniversary as a senior minister but I've been here for about seven years in total and I'll never forget that first Palm Sunday. I collected my daughter out here in the narthex, soon Marcella was still basically a baby, and we went out on the street where there's a parade. Jesus and the disciples and a donkey and all the church people shouting, Hosanna in the highest. And it had been a particularly lonely first winter here, and now it was springtime. And I was kneeling on the ground, holding Marcella on my knee, pointing at things, and I could feel that gentle southern sun kiss my cheek, it was lovely. I simply recall that to you today because you're not here and I miss you. By the time I became an adult, of course, I come to understand something that I didn't understand as a child. We we have these holy days like Palm Sunday on our calendar so that we can better tell the story of Christ. In this story, well, we're reminding ourselves of the fact that as Jesus and the disciples come in to Jerusalem for Passover, they are praised and he is given the hero's welcome by a group of people who would later turn him over to a traitor's death. It feels strange celebrating Palm Sunday without you, but I think that strangeness only highlights, at least for me, how strange and bizarre the passion of Christ really was. How can we celebrate Palm Sunday when we all know that Good Friday is just around the corner? How can we ask ourselves to be celebratory when we know that darkness looms? This has always been the feeling query I've had when I've practiced these stories through my lifetime, and that feeling seems today apropos to the max. Easter is coming. Perhaps the highest holy day of all for us, but how can we celebrate with empty churches? And how can we enjoy Palm Sunday today without the kids? It's all so hard. Make no mistake about it, friends, we are in a collective time of trauma. Many people are dying, many people are suffering, many people are alone and isolated, a lot of people are afraid this is hard. It truly is trauma. And we then turn to the scriptures because we're Christians and that's what we do. And when we do so this morning, we have a well-known text. Most likely this text was an ancient hymn. It seems like St. Paul didn't just make this little hymn up as he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. He, He probably was quoting a song that many Christians knew of his, in his day. It's very theological. It speaks to the profound nature of who Jesus Christ was and is and will be. I find it theologically insightful. I find it spiritually nourishing and comforting. And I find it to be a wonderful summary of Christian essentials. But what part of it should we reflect on Today? given the nature of the world as we have discovered it this morning? It's a good question. If for no other reason than right before Paul's recitation of this hymn, he tells the church in the letter that they are to have the same mind as Christ does. And when else do we need that more than right now in this time of trauma? Should we think aloud together about the pre-existent nature of Christ that this hymn puts forward in the introduction? That Jesus was in the form of God, had the nature of divinity, that Jesus stands before creation? Maybe that would comfort you. Maybe it would comfort us for we think of the one we follow as one who stands before everything else and therefore as mightier than anything that could come after or should we reflect on what is to come of the world in the light of Christ? Even though he died and died of cross death, it says that at one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And, and I want you to understand this is sort of a theocosmic thing. This is, this is a cosmopolitics, really. The text is telling us that every knee will bend on earth, every knee will bend to the left of the earth and to the right of the earth and above the earth and below the earth and in the heavens and in the grave, every single creature will bend the knee at the praise of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what we ought to think about today because it's triumphant. Maybe we feel we need some triumph right now in our trauma Besides, who doesn't like a winner? Or maybe, maybe we should begin by remembering that the Christian message says that the way that God has come to heal the world is through Jesus Christ. Therefore, Christ is God's most profound and full method of moving and shaping our world. How does that go? How does that work? Well, simply put, friends, it means that God enters our world. It means that the divinity steps into your story and my story. It means that God fully takes on us and our messiness. In Christ, God enters in our suffering. God is present in our suffering. Perhaps God is present there more than at any other time. God leans in to our suffering. Have you ever wondered why the greatest manifestation of God's glory on the earth happens in a crucifixion and a death? Did you notice what the middle part of the hymn tells us about the nature of Jesus? That he humbled himself, that he poured himself out, becoming obedient to even death, that which we will all face. What does it mean that Jesus poured himself out? I think it means that Jesus lessened himself. One of my favorite stories about Mr. Fred Rogers was told to me by Reverend Chambers a while ago. Mr. Mr. Rogers was invited by the executives of PBS to a meal. They sent a car and a driver. Typically, when people of fame or people who have a certain level of power have a driver, they sit in the back of the car while the driver sits in the front. Mr. Rogers felt very uncomfortable with this. He lessened himself. He poured himself out. He did not claim or hang on to his prestige. And so he sat in the front with the driver He also didn't like the idea that this driver would be sitting in the car during the meal, and so he invited him in to the guests, to to be a guest of his to the meal. And on the way home, he found out that they were not very far off from the driver's home, and so he said, can I go to your house with you? The driver invited him in, and Mr. Rogers treated the family to a little concert playing the piano for the family. Mr. Rogers was a saintly sort of man, but this is still just a small fraction of the self-emptying of God revealed in Jesus Christ. This This is imitative of God in Jesus Christ. Here we have the king of the cosmos, the creator of all life, pouring out His own self, becoming less, humbled himself to the point not just of death, but to cross death. God submitted himself in Christ to the death destined for us all. He leaned into our trauma. And it's interesting to me because this is the core message of the gospel. Yet we have so much religious messaging out there that's different than that. Health and wealth and prosperity. If you just pray harder, God will fix your problems. If you just had more faith, God will give you what you need. God wants you to have a best life now, to be wealthy and healthy and wise and all these things. And there are men and women who stand in front of cameras telling people a bunch of dangerous and bad advice. All for the sake of who knows what. The gospel never tells us it's going to go perfectly for us. Rather, it tells us there will be trouble. tells us there will be trial. It tells us we will walk in exile. And then there is that religious messaging that's sort of kitsch. It's in our artwork. Angels with sweet baby faces. Where in the scriptures have you ever read of an angel as a sweet baby? I see the angels in the scriptures as causing great terror. Of course, if you don't like the angels with baby faces, you probably have seen the lighthouses and the sheep and the lambs and all that. It's giving a sort of saccharine shape to our supposed hope. and We're told it'll all just be okay. Just give it to God. Jesus, take the wheel. All of this will be okay. And those answers don't, they don't stack up. They don't do much to people with real trauma. Jesus never gave such answers. Jesus never easily answered people's suffering. There is no simple answer. Rather, Jesus submitted himself to our trauma. The hymn tells us something profound. It tells us that God enters into it with us. There is no quick, simple answer. But God is here. My friends, wipe away the sleep from your eyes. Open wide your ears. Can you see? Can you hear? Are you able to discern the way divinity descends into your drama, your pain, our trauma, our shared exile? God, my friends, enters in. God always enters in. God is leaning in even now. Look for God. Let us pray. God who has come to be as us and with us that we may become like God, we know that you are present in this trial and we ask that you make yourself known to your people. Make yourself known that we may feel that we may feel your healing touch, that we may be comforted by your presence, that we may be emboldened to live a life of charity, forgiveness. We believe it's only in these attitudes of life that we can rebuild our world, and so we ask for your help. Be with us now. Be with each child that prays. Be with each mom and dad that is trying to keep news or filter news to their kids Be with us as we want to wave palm branches together. Be here and now. Be here with us. Amen. This week we've decided to bring the prayers of the people to you in worship. The prayers of the people is something that's done in a lot of liturgies and we do them every week at Evensong. Reverend Chambers has written prayers that uh, are germane to our time and our text And the way we're going to do this is he has a song refrain, Lord, hear our prayer, Lord, hear our prayer, and then I will pray a prayer. And you can follow along and sing at home if you like, or you can listen. But let these prayers be the prayers of your heart in this time. Father in heaven, you have encouraged and consoled us in your love and caused us share in your spirit. Move your church here and everywhere to bow down before you and to stand up together against tragedy. Make our minds one in Jesus Christ, that his life may take form within us and around us.
0: Lord, hear our prayer.
1: Father in heaven your son surrendered freedom and security with you to be with us help us to embrace vulnerability and limitation trusting that you will save and set us in a broad place expose those who exploit and profit when the world is stretched and pressed free us from feeling indifferent or afraid that we could be governed not by self-interest but by humility and compassion. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. Our Father in heaven, your Son emptied himself and became a slave. Strengthen those who pour themselves out and serve the sick. Steady their gloved hands and behind their masks. Set their faces like flint. That your own gaze and touch would reach the suffering with healing hope. Father in heaven, you gave your son the tongue of a teacher and listening ears. Bless the educators, parents, and caretakers of all kinds to be so attentive to those who cannot control how they continue to learn and grow, that even now the future would open before us.
0: Lord, hear our prayer.
1: Among us was both executed and exalted. Waken your ear to the suffering of your children. Sustain the weary with your word. Send your spirit to those who struggle to breathe or to get out of bed. Be near to those who are distant and isolated, and stay with those who are at the point of death, that they may be raised up with Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Lord,